Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everybody. It's Shep Hyken here. We're back with another episode of Amazing Business Radio, a great interview today. We're going to be talking with Howard Moodycliffe, the CEO of a software program, Time to Reply. And Time to Reply is exactly what it implies. It's how quickly you respond to your customers. And it is a business software solution that empowers employees to deliver fast, efficient, and consistent responses through Email. Now, even if the channels that you communicate with your customers uh, aren't necessarily email, or maybe it's email and five other channels, you're going to want to tune into this episode because what Howard talks about related to email really covers any channel that you communicate with your customers. All right, a couple of quick announcements. Here they are. If you have an amazing story you'd like to share, or you have a question that you'd like me to answer, be sure to reach out to me on any social media channel. I am pretty much uh, everywhere. And if it is a question, use the hashtag AskShep. I'll answer the questions you send me either in that show, on that channel, or maybe in this show, or maybe on my TV show, which is Be Amazing or Go Home, which can be found on Apple TV, Roku, episodes on Amazon Prime, C-Suite, and even on YouTube. Just go to BeAmazing.tv. That's BeAmazing.tv. And tune in there and you'll catch some episodes. All right, let's get into our interview. Howard, welcome to the show. Hey, Shep. Great to be here. Been looking forward to this. And and I can tell by the accent you're not from Arkansas or Texas uh, here in the U.S. Where are you from? True. Um, so I'm from the U.K. Uh, I live in South Africa. I live down in Cape Town. Um, uh, that is so beautiful there. Yeah. If you if you like your wine and your surfing, it's it's heaven. Yeah, and I've only been there once, but it is absolutely gorgeous. Uh, I remember, I can't remember what the name of the large uh, cliff or rock that kind of juts out into the ocean. Oh, um, it could be a few. I don't know. Um, Cape Point, it could have been Hanklip. There's quite a few of those. Well, anyway, it, regardless, <laughs> it's beautiful. Well, hey, uh, I, your company, Time to Reply, it's very intriguing. Uh, I've had Jay Bear on the show a couple of times and we've talked about speed and how important it is he actually wrote a great little book a very speedy read called uh time to uh what what is it time to time to win time to win time to win he did a whole bunch of research and basically his whole thesis is the faster a company can uh, respond to a customer, can either through either sales or a customer support issue, uh, the better off they are, the credibility is there, the trust levels rise. And that may be one of the most important strategies a company can deliver uh, on, the, on the client experience, the customer experience. So tell me about time to reply, because you're mentioned in the book. Yeah, that's right. So um we, we built our whole whole business around that premise that speed's really important. It's important across the whole business, um, but it's really, really important when you're looking to win clients. And it's equally, maybe even more important when you've won those clients. Um, you know, speed's actually one of the highest impact levers you can actually pull to increase customer satisfaction. So we knew that there's been a lot of research around it for a while. And then Jay has done some really fantastic research more recently, and he just mentioned it, the time to win. Um, 
And we, we looked at businesses and uh, we, we decided to really zone in on email. So email, as many other channels sort of keep popping up, email is still primarily the strongest B2B channel. Um, so we've, we've built two products. Our software is all about helping any customer-facing team or, or sales team deliver fast and efficient and, and more importantly, consistent service and response behavior over email. So that's what we do. We do it for enterprises. We do it for mid-market. We've got some SMB customers uh, and, and globally, any, any business that really sort of understands how important speed is, um, that's our market. Well, and if they don't understand how important speed is, they better because the competition is surely starting to understand uh, customers, if they wanted to wait three days to get a response, they would have waited three days to make the request. <laughs> you know, yeah, so. I mean that, that, that's exactly it. You know, it's um, you you value the prospect or your customer's time. You know, they 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 sort of follow on with their loyalty or their business to your business, and it's 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 really just a respect thing. I mean, everybody values their own time. Why shouldn't businesses think about think about it in the same way? And so we. Yeah, we, we really empower those teams to make sure that they are valuing prospects and customers' time and they're doing it consistently. You don't want to just do it on the first instance. Um, that's probably as, you, you know, that's as bad as being slow, potentially. It's got to be consistent. You've got to set the expectation. Right. I know that sometimes we get a call or actually we get an email from a client saying we're interested in Shep speaking. That's me. I'm talking about myself in the third person. We're interested in Shep speaking at an event. And Cindy will immediately call the client almost. And the client will say, oh my gosh, I don't know if I've hit the send button yet. And the phone's ringing. And and the the standard response we have is, hey, Shep's the customer experience guy. So of course he's going to respond quickly. <laughs> But we make it real clear. We can't promise we're going to respond within seconds of every inquiry. But if, and I always tell my clients, if we haven't responded with to you within one business day, you need to call 911 because something's wrong <laughs> for an emergency yeah. call. Uh, something you said, you know, you use email. And I think in business, B2B companies, email is very common. Uh, but when it comes to B2C, email is a little less common. But at the same time, I'm going to bet that the ideas that you have for responding via email cross over in any other channel that you would want to use. Uh, the, the concepts, you know, conceptually, you want fast and efficient and consistent responses across any channel the customer comes in on. Yeah, that, I mean that's 100 percent right. We, you know, we've we've chosen to go very deep on email. It's it's, it's the channel that we know the best. Right. Um, but yeah, you if you if you're a multi-channel business, you you better be consistent across all channels. And uh, consumers have differing um, expectations of what a quick response is by channel. Um, there's no one size fits all, and there's also no one size fits all industry either. You know. Right. And, uh, you know, whichever channel you choose, you kind of want to be right for your industry and your sector. Um, and that sort of right speed of response is, as Jay would say in his book as well, is you, you want to be just quicker than your prospect or your customer expects you to be. Yeah. It's what, what you want them to say is they're always so quick to respond. The word always followed by that statement means that you are nailing it. 
And uh, even if all you do is simply meet the expectation, as long as you do it consistently and don't ever let them down and fall outside of that expectation, I think you're in a pretty safe spot. You know, something I talk about in my speeches is consistency. And oftentimes it's the consistency and the experience. And I do go into something I refer to as channel consistency, because if I call you and I'm put on hold for 10 minutes, I'm upset. But if I email you and you email me back within two hours, I'm elated. So there is a different time element for each of the channels that you're in. And once you understand, to your point, what the customer's expectations are for response time in each of those channels, and it's going to vary a little bit from company to company and business to business, industry to industry. But once you understand that, I think you have the great opportunity to meet, if not exceed those expectations, even by the slightest bit in creating that amazing experience. Uh, let's shift gears to a comment that you made uh, in some of the information that I've read uh, prior to the interview, and that is put the customer first. So many people that I talk about claim they put the customer at the core of everything they do. And I think that's what you are referring to, but I would love your take on this. Yeah, it, it, it is one of those statements that's uh, thrown around pretty liberally. Um, when we, when, you know, when I talk about it and when we talk about it at Time to Reply, putting our customers first and, you know, given what we do in the name of our company, we've got to be on the ball. Like we cannot drop them off. Yeah, yeah you've kind of made a promise that's implied with the company name, you know? <laughs> that's exactly it. We've made a promise with our name and what, with what we do. Um, so for, for us, it's about really understanding what experience you want the customer to have. You know, what perception of your business do you want them to have? It, it, it might be um, speed of response. It might be completeness of information. There, there could be a range of things. But it's important to understand what that experience is that you want them to have and marrying that up with what we know consumers or businesses expect. And then you've got to design your organization to deliver that. Um, you know, we, we've actually got a customer who, I, they, they use our product to measure response time all the way back between, you know, they don't stop at first line, second line, third line support. They're measuring speed of response all the way back to where an inquiry inquiry may need to go to a subject matter expert um, and they've actually used the data that they pulled out of our product to help them design the organization to ensure that after you know handover after handoff after handoff there's consistency in that speed is actually at the center of everything that gets done right the way through to subject matter experts so that's that's kind of what i mean about you've got to design the organization to deliver the experience you want uh, and that that experience should have the customers, the center of it. Right. And and obviously response time to any communication is essential in designing that experience. Um, and it's very easy once you make a statement like, and this is what I wrote down, your exact words were, what experience do you want your customers to have? And that's a question. And then my response is, well, let's define it and let's then create it. And the goal would be, if we decide to do anything different in the process that we've created, we would always ask ourselves, how is this going to impact the customer experience? And when you uh, keep that question in mind, by the way, uh, I'm not suggesting that every time you do this, and this is a real important point, I'd love to get your take on this. Uh, if, if you do decide to make a change, 
and you ask yourself that question, how will the customer feel about this change? If it's negative, does that mean you shouldn't do it? And my feeling is, well, it depends. I mean, if you have to raise prices, that's never an exciting thing to tell a customer. But if you explain the reason why behind it, and it's legitimate, and you can't operate and stay in business unless you do, I think it's a pretty good, compelling reason to do so. But you've got to take all of these things into consideration. Yeah, no, 100% agree. I mean, you know, you, you're you always trying to make every impact or everything you do a positive one, but there are things, like you say, price increases, there could be a discontinuation of something or a service. Um, it's, it's around the communication and, and then how you design around that to make it, if it's a negative, have the minimal negative impact on an experience. Right, right. Well, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk about being proactive, not just responding, but actually reaching out. I want to talk about personalizing the experience and much more. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this is Amazing Business Radio. Don't go away. We're coming right back. One of my favorite sayings is that customer service isn't a department. It's a philosophy. And it's a philosophy that must be embraced by everyone in the organization all the time. And that's 24-7. So if customer service is important to you, and I know it is, then you will love our virtual training, the ultimate on-demand customer service and experience training program that you can access anytime, anywhere. Now, the course content applies to everyone, regardless of position and responsibility, from senior executives to the most recently hired and everyone in between. You'll discover tips, ideas, and strategies that won't cost your company a fortune, but will produce what I call moments of magic, those positive experiences, and it will happen at every level of your organization. So go to Customer Service VT. That's V as in virtual, T as in training. That's CustomerServiceVT.com. It's time to get customer focused. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio talking with Howard Moodycliffe, the CEO of Time to Reply. Uh, we've been talking about putting the customer first, uh, consistency and responses, the cadence of responses. I want to shift gears a little bit rather than response Let's talk about proactivity, uh, reaching out before the customer calls us. What are your thoughts on that? Yes, it's you know, it's look, it's it's a tricky one, um, and I think certain businesses lend themselves more to a proactive approach than others. But uh, the better you know your customer, the better you know their needs, their wants, the results they're looking for. Um, and if you're in a business like ours where they're using software, you can pull a lot of data. You can see how things are going, and you can generally, you know, sometimes you can proactively reach out with something they may not have thought about, you know, but you can see in the data that it's a question that may be coming. Um, so that's really what we mean about being proactive is just looking at the live data coming through our product to be able to anticipate what a customer might be wanting to ask or know more about. Um, and then, you know, the the responsive piece, We I think we've spoken about it, but, you know, it is definitely one of the more important or more high impact levers as a business you can pull to to increase um, customer satisfaction. Um, and we've, we've got, I mean, some of our customers are tying customer sa- the speed of response to customer satisfaction through to NPS. And if they're, um, if they're a SaaS business like ours and they've got repeat revenue, that NPS has a very high correlation to um, revenue retention. So it is important. And, you know, it, it is a it is a measurable lever, but it's something that's 
it's just expected these days. People are time poor. Right. I, I also think it it creates trust with your customer. It absolutely um, does. You know, trust. they have confidence that every time they're going to get a response back. Um, you know, here's a great stat that comes from our research that we do annually, our ACA report, Achieving Customer Amazement, sponsored by Five9. And if you create a great experience and the response time, how quickly you get back to somebody ties into that great experience. 82% of the customers that we surveyed in 2023 say that service experience increases their trust in a company uh, when they buy something from them. So keep in mind, trust equates to confidence. Uh, confidence equates to the potential customer loyalty that you might have. And, and I love that. So uh, you're doing great. Uh, as far as proactive goes, uh, the example I'm going to share with you, what I think is a great example, uh, one of my clients is a large uh, cable and internet provider. And one of the things they attempt to do is get every form of communication that a customer might have with you. And when I say that, every mode or channel. So I would give you as a customer my cell phone number, my email address, my Twitter, now X account, whatever we're supposed to call it now, Facebook, et cetera, et cetera, LinkedIn. And then when there's an outage in my area, they're going to blast an announcement to all of my communication channels, assuming I'll probably be able to get one of them. And uh, that's and I really feel good about that. And then um, once I respond, they know what communication channel I am on, and they will then follow up with me on a regular cadence to let me know okay, you're still down, you're still down, but we're working on yep. it. And that way I don't have to call them and aggravate their customer support people with the same question that probably thousands of other people are doing. Why well, my cable is down, my internet is down. When will it be up? Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that's, 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 that's fantastic because you know, you're already a little bit annoyed your cable's down. You're going to be a lot more annoyed if you're having to wait in a queue. Just, just to, to find out that down. everybody yeah, else's exactly. cable is down. Well. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, let's talk about personalizing the experience because that's important to you as well. And I'd love to get your take and what you think a good personalized experience would be. We know that personalization in our survey shows it's in the top eight, um, eight things that customers want from the companies they do business with. Yeah. So, you know, again, I, I can talk about it from, you know, software as a service perspective. Um, you know, we start off, I mean, our, our, our customer success teams, they get to know all of our customers. You know, it doesn't matter how long it takes, um, how, you know, how many conversations they have. They, they always know something uh, that they've got to talk about with each of our key contacts. But then again, being in a software business, you can actually look at engagement data and you can see results and you can start learning quite a lot about what's going on in our, our own customer's environment without talking to them. And then so you make sure every engagement that you then have with them off the back of that data and what you know about them is yeah. this person. So there's, in my mind, two kinds of, of personalization. One is rapport building. Where are you from? Oh, you're from South Africa. I've been to South Africa once. I remember that large cliff going on. That's rapport building personalization. The other is data-based personalization. In other words, how you're using us. I walk into a hotel, I check in, they go, oh, you've stayed here before. Welcome back. And you can tell in your business with software, you can see how your client, your customer is using um, 
software and you can see what they're, you know, we love doing this. We, we sell online on demand customer service training so that okay. you can log on and watch Shep on video. There I am talking about myself, third person again, watch me on video and, you know, get lessons that way. And when somebody buys from us, we, over the next 30 days, watch how often they get on. If they don't get on the platform, we call them and say, hey, we noticed you haven't gotten on. They go, how do you know that? We know everything. <laughs> well, not really everything, but when it comes to that, we know. <laughs> and they really feel like, oh, my gosh, and you're following up with me. What a yeah. great personal touch. I think that's what you're referring to here. That's, ex that's exa exactly right. I mean, we've got various facets to our, our um our software, you know, part of it's the management dashboard. And, you know, we can see, hey, you guys had a really busy week last week or something dropped off a little bit here. And we can have those conversations. Um, and then we've got a we've got a bit, uh, a module that just sits in individual team members' windows, feeds them live data uh, and helps them do their job better just through showing live data, but also like sifting through their inbox and prioritizing the emails they should attend to next. And we can see what's going on in there as well. And you can say, you know, the optimizer hasn't been used by that team for a day or so. Is there something wrong? Or, you know, um, that team's sort of doing a hell of a lot better than this team. Is there something that needs to be done on that side of, you know, side of your business to, um, I, I guess, bring them up to up to speed? There's, there's just right. a lot of ways you can open a, another connection or a conversation with your customer by knowing yeah. how they... So. It, it sounds like uh, your customers, and I think any anybody needs to take advantage of technology. And uh, if they're missing the opportunity to use tools like yours, the dashboards you've created, and by the way, many different software companies provide dashboards regardless of what you're using them for. So, uh, you know, I know that you find that, that, that the technology and the data that you can give them actually empowers the teams to create a better experience you know, with time to reply. So any uh, further thoughts on that before we jump over to my final topic with you? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, for, for quite a while, we were a management dashboard. So we provided live and in, live information to team leaders, team managers, etc. They could take that information and then coach their teams and, and do what they needed to do. Um, but we thought that there was a much better way to use software is not just reporting and dashboards, but is empowering the people actually doing the job. So you've got your customer-facing team members or your sales team members. They're in there every day doing their job in their inbox. If you're just a dashboard, they only hear about how they've done retrospectively, whereas if you're providing them live data, you're actually empowering them to be the best they can be all the time simply through just letting them know how they're performing in the moment. Yeah, um, and then you, you can flip back to what we just talked about related yeah. to the personalized experience where, or, okay. or the proactive experience where you then reach out to somebody based on what you're seeing about that particular customer. Yeah, that's exactly it. And, you know, just simply knowing how you're doing in the moment and how you're doing compared to the team, there's there's motivation there. And then there's also the, you know, we, we dig through inboxes and help them prioritize what they need to do next based on SLAs or reply time goals. So it's like, a, we, we like to think of it as a, a Fitbit for, for team members. That Fitbit just helps for team members. As good as they can do. Yeah, yeah that's, yep. that's how we like to think of it. Yeah, <laughs> and that actually slides right into the final topic I want to cover, which is the empowerment of employees, because it sounds like yeah. this type of technology does empower your employees uh, to, well, 
strike that. It informs your employees. It is up to the leader to say you're empowered to act on what you've been informed with. And so yeah. once they see on the dashboard how they're doing, it can be motivating. It could be a wake-up call. Hey, I need to be doing something else. But regardless, That's we've got to give our employees the ability to respond to that, make decisions, appropriate decisions to optimize the experience for both themselves and the customer. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think, you know, the, the the data and the insights that you can give them and you can feed them in real time is great. But then, like you're saying, is you've, you've got to then empower them to make the right decisions off the back of that data or the adjustments. Because, yeah, knowing how you're doing is one thing. You can pick it up a bit. But then if there are decisions that you know you need to take um, off the back of what you're being shown, you need to be empowered to do that. Yeah. I mean, if all you do is you give the information to your employees and say, okay, here's information. They go, well, what am I supposed to do with it? Yes. Tell exactly. them what they're supposed to do. Teach <laughs> them what they're supposed to do. Give them examples of what to do with that information. Um, I would, on a regular basis, share stories of how employees are using that dashboard or whatever dashboard is up there or whatever information they're giving to create that optimal experience for a customer. And uh, when you do that, other employees are going to say, okay, so that's what we're supposed to do. And you create these best case uh, study yes. scenarios, uh, which everybody can learn from. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, um, I think it's, yeah, it's, it's too easy just to give management information. It's easy, you know, it's slightly less easier to give end user information, but then the real gold is when you empower them to do or show them what they can do with that information. Yep. Well, Howard, we're just about out of time. And what I'd like to do is ask my final question. I've warned you that this will be coming. I refer to it as the one thing question. And it is that one last thing, that nugget of information, that one idea that maybe you haven't shared with us yet or something you want to emphasize. What's that going to be today? It's another well, well used one. But I, th I, I think keep things simple. Mm. You don't have to overcomplicate processes. You don't have to get you know overly complex platforms you've got to understand what the thing is that you want your team to be great at what the thing is that's going to make your customers or your prospects perception of your business the best it possibly can be and then find a process and find some tech that enables your teams to just maximize that start wow. there yep. don't, don't go you know you, you don't have to be all things to everyone and often things get diluted when you try that just keep it simple keep it simple now simple does not always mean easy and sometimes what's happening behind the scenes can be pretty complicated hence it takes an entire software program to make things easy and designing that might be a little complicated but to the people using it your employees and the people receiving the experience on the other side who are your customers I think simple is a great way to go. Howard, thanks so much for being on the show. You've been a great guest, uh, insightful information. Much appreciate you. Excellent, Chef. Really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. All right, everybody, that wraps it up. Another episode of Amazing Business Radio. We will be back next week with another interview. And until that time, this is Chef Hyken reminding you to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.